Hello, my name is Melinda Motter, and welcome to my podcast. Before I get started on the subject of tonight's podcast, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction about myself because I truly believe that it plays into tonight's subject very well. So I currently live in a suburb right outside of Atlanta on the west side, and I live with my husband, Mike. We've been married for nine years, and we have a beautiful six-year-old daughter. Her name is Kinsley, and she's actually a kindergartner at the school that I teach at. I teach on the east side of Atlanta in the East Lake neighborhood at a phenomenal charter school. It is truly a dream job as I get to teach not only K through two general music, which is one of my loves, but I also get to teach third grade violin and fourth and fifth grade orchestra, which hits my strings passion right on the dot. So like I stated, it's truly a dream job and I get to love and appreciate more than one facet of the music world in what I teach, which is pretty awesome. I graduated from Anderson University in Indiana, the other Anderson University, in December of 2009. And upon graduation, told myself that I was going to accept a teaching position to whomever would offer a position to me first. And for all of you graduating seniors out there, I would highly suggest that you not do that. (laughs) Um, My first teaching position took me down to Fayetteville, North Carolina in January of 2010. And I had done very little research about Fayetteville or the school that I was going to before I actually got down there. And it was a job that definitely um, was not what I was expecting. It was the complete opposite of my student teaching experience. And it was something that honestly, university had not prepared me for. Things like having desks and chairs thrown at you and at each other. Things like being sworn at by a kindergartner on your first day of teaching. And things like having a second grader bringing loaded handgun into school. Things that no amount of coursework could possibly prepare you for, but it was a job that I told myself it can only go up from here. <laughs> and it did, thankfully. Um, I moved over to Jacksonville, North Carolina after a year and a half in Fayetteville. Um, because marriage actually moved me over to the East Coast. And with my husband being in the military in the United States Marine Corps, we go where the Marine Corps sends us. And his position was in Jacksonville, so I was the one that got to up and move, which honestly I didn't mind because we were very close to the beach and that was awesome. So I got to spend six years in Jacksonville teaching elementary general music, which was a complete opposite from my position in Fayetteville. Um, Wonderful students, wonderful colleagues, wonderful administrators. It was a great position, but sadly after six years had to leave because of my husband's retirement from the Marine Corps. And now we are down in Georgia. And I'm currently in my fourth year down in Georgia. And the reason why I say all of this goes along with tonight's subject is because 
Tonight we're talking about the mental, physical, and emotional health of teaching and looking at how health plays a role in teaching and the obstacles that must be overcome in order to ensure that teachers are prepared in all aspects for this career field. And I say the introduction is very applicable to this subject because it is absolutely what I am feeling being in my 11th year of teaching combined with my graduate course load combined with this COVID global pandemic that we're dealing with combined with being a mom and a wife and the different attributes that play into teacher burnout and attrition which segues us into when we think about teacher burnout and we think about teacher attrition, teachers leaving the education field, who's affected? And honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is us. Us as teachers, we're affected. Um, the stress, the anxiety, the exhaustion, overworked, underpaid, it all, it all plays into our feelings on teaching and the burnout that we experience. But we have to realize that it goes beyond just us. It affects everybody that we come into contact with. It affects our students. Um, we have a very give and take relationship with our students where we feel what they're feeling and they feel what we're feeling. Um, it, it impacts our colleagues. It impacts our professional relationships that we have with the people that we work with. It affects our administration. You know, the last thing they want is to see high quality educators get completely burnt out doing what they're supposed to love doing and then have to find replacements. It's, it's this revolving door. And that in itself also affects our students, the colleagues that we teach with, the administration. It affects our home lives. It affects our families. It affects those whom we love and are closest to us. So honestly, everybody that we come into contact with is affected by burnout rates, by teacher stress, by teacher anxiety, and by teacher exhaustion. But if we want to look on a more specific scale, Dale Heyman published this article in 1990 in the Music Educators Journal called Burnout, How to Spot It, How to Avoid It. And he stated that researchers have found that individuals most frequently affected by burnout are those who are the most productive, dedicated, and committed in their fields. They are usually highly motivated and idealistic. And why is this? I think it's because when we get to that point in our careers where we are feeling like we finally got a hang of this, we finally know what we're doing, I'm not having to rewrite my lesson plans every single night. You know, we're not reinventing the, the wheel every year. That is when we start to experience that burnout. And I think a lot of it has to do because the effects of this low level burnout can be experienced without us even recognizing them. In the teaching career field, there's a certain level of stress that's to be expected, a certain level of exhaustion, anxiety, moodiness, and it's, it's something that almost comes to the territory. And so when we think about, as teachers, what we experience and feel, it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to feel a little bit stressed. I'm dealing, you know, with 24, you know, different personalities every day. And I got to reach out to all of them. And, you know, I have to make sure I'm meeting each one where they're at. And, you know, there's different degrees of what each kid needs. And, 
that's to be expected. Um, I think part of it is instead of recognizing the fact that we are burnt out, we just attribute it to our job as something that's normal. Oh yeah, don't you stay up until midnight grading papers too? Oh, I guess I'm not the only person that's left in the parking lot at 8 o'clock at night. I think for educators, there's certain things that we think just come natural with the territory as educators. And yes, these things come natural with the territory. We stay up late, grading papers, working on assessments and lesson plans. We leave school late because, you know, we don't want to take our workload home, but then at the same time, when we get home, everyone's already sleeping. So it's not even like we're accomplishing, you know, oh, I'm going to leave my work at home so I have my family time with my family. Well, when you get home, the family's already in bed. Um, There's just certain things that we expect to experience with this territory as teachers. And, oh, everyone, everyone, you know, stays up late grading papers or you know every everyone's feeling stressed at school it it's almost like we try to normalize it and make it okay when it's not teacher burnout is not okay teacher stress is not okay the exhaustion that we feel the depression the moodiness the mood swings those aren't okay and yes they're common but that doesn't make them okay doesn't make them normal It doesn't make them something that when we experience them, instead of addressing them and instead of, you know, taking a step back and really assessing what we're experiencing, we just attribute that as, well, you know, I'm a teacher, it's to be expected. So when we think about the factors that are involved in teacher burnout, and if you're an educator, I'm sure none of these are going to come as a surprise to you at all because you probably feel them and experience them on a daily basis. Things like administration, um, support or lack thereof from administration is a huge factor in teacher burnout. Getting along with your administration Um, I've had great administrators that I've worked with. I work with great administrators right now. My first teaching position, my administrator and I were not in sync. Um, We did not see eye to eye. She had different ideals and goals than I did. And every time I tried to reach those, it just wasn't enough. And I think administration plays a huge role in teacher burnout and how we feel going into our place of work. Factors include financial stress, um, whether it be financial stress from, I feel like I'm not getting paid enough to do what I do. Financial stress as in I have a second job that I have to go to after I teach because I don't make enough money. Lack of student support from home is a huge factor for me. Right now, I'm personally dealing with some things that have nothing to do with what's going on internally in my classroom. But it's parents sending emails about this and about that and about behavior and about, oh, you set your expectations too high. There's too many assignments. There's not enough assignments. Um, The lack of student support from home is huge. And the lack of parental support plays a gigantic role in teacher burnout. 
classroom management right now for me being in a virtual setting is not a huge factor in my stress and my anxiety but when i'm in my classroom it is probably my number one factor in my level of burnout it's difficult being a music educator because me personally i see my students every single day for a quarter and then at the end of the quarter i get a brand new set of kids I see them once a day for 45 minutes. At our school, kids are in school for almost eight hours. So they're used to the classroom expectations of their homeroom teacher. When they come into my classroom, it's a different set of expectations. And students can't turn on and turn off like that. They can't. So my expectations could be much more clearly defined, much more regimented, and it can just be a different mood that is set in my classroom from their classroom. But because they can't shut off their homeroom for 45 minutes, they come into my classroom and it's almost like, eh, we're here, it ain't gonna be long, so let's just keep rolling with what we normally do. And that's difficult for me. It's difficult to set my expectations for my students when they're only with me for 45 minutes. That's not even an eighth of their school day. They can't turn it off and say, okay, now we gotta go on to Miss Monitor's expectations for 45 minutes. And then after that, we go back into our homeroom expectations. So where I deal with difficult classroom management as a factor for me is when I hold different expectations for students than what they experience in their normal classroom setting. Other factors include things like lack of recognition. We all like to be recognized. We all like to be given the pat on the back, the high five in the hallway. We love being on the afternoon announcements. Hey, just wanted to let everyone know so-and-so did a great job today. I walked in on their class and all the students were actively engaged and you know, we appreciate you. Every teacher wants that, you know. We, we, we're humble, oh, teacher of the year, thank you so much. But on the inside, we're like, I absolutely deserve this and earn this for what I do every single day. <laughs> we love recognition. We love to be recognized for what we do. Factors include unclear goals. Um, and this can be set by ourselves. This can be set by administration. This can be set by stakeholders unclear standards and a lack of coordination this can be internally within the building this can be lack of coordination from administration to a teacher this can be lack of coordination as an enrichment or a specialist team all of these different factors play into this teacher burnout another one improper training so there was a cognito survey it was 8054 k2 excuse me, K through 12 educators. Um, it was across 11 states and they did a survey on recognizing and intersecting trauma. And nearly half of the teachers in this survey, 4,000 teachers couldn't recognize the signs of trauma because they hadn't been trained on it. Three and five said they were ill-prepared to use communication strategies to help students feel safe or talk with them to persuade them to connect with support while seven in 10 of them said they weren't ready to implement trauma-informed approaches in teaching. And this goes back to the whole thing of, we're more than teachers, we're, we're adults, we're the parental influence in their life. We're nurse, 
we're the counselor. We're, we're more than just providing an education. We are reaching these kids on a personal level. And there's some things that we deal with, with with our students that go beyond our curriculum. They go beyond what we teach as a subject. And just having that training on not only professional development and what I teach, but things like, example, recognizing trauma and dealing with student trauma not being informed and trained in those areas just adds to the stress that we're already feeling. We wanna give the best for our students. We wanna give them the best experience in our classroom that they can have, and we wanna be there when they need us. But we need to be trained on how to deal with these situations properly and appropriately. And as a matter of fact, all of these factors, the American Psychological Association has claimed that Teacher burnout is like work-induced depression. And that according to the American Federation of Teachers 2017 Educator Quality of Life Survey, 61% of teachers indicated that their jobs were always or often stressful. Can I get an amen? Amen. While 58% of respondents cited poor mental health as a result of that stress. Considered a modern-day epidemic, educators experiencing burnout simultaneously exhibit depressive symptoms, and because of this, solutions that don't directly address the symptoms are no more than a temporary fix. It's a band-aid. Instead, it's imperative that schools proactively address mental health issues in the workplace because in some cases, not doing so can result in unintended consequences, such as ineffective teaching, teacher self-harm, and or suicide this is what it boils down to is making sure that we're addressing burnout with more than just a band-aid so when we think about strategies for overcoming teacher burnout for overcoming stress attrition we have to think about things that work best for us personally And I'm sure a lot of you, especially educators out there, have heard of these fixes. And for some people, these work. For some people, these are merely a band-aid. So strategies for overcoming teacher burnout are very personal. One thing that's always suggested to look at is your time management. How do you manage your time? How do you manage your time in your classroom and out of your classroom? Do you plan ahead? Do you wait until the last minute to figure something out? How are you setting your priorities? Where does your job fall in with your family? How are you managing your time with your school family and your students as opposed to your home family? Where does rest and relaxation fall in all of this? I know for me personally, this is something I struggle with consistently. I don't know how to relax. And maybe it's the teacher in me. I don't know how to turn that off. I walk fast. I eat fast, I type fast, I work fast, and that's because teaching is a fast-paced lifestyle. So where does relaxation fall into that? Another strategy for overcoming this, things like exercise can help and diet consideration can even help. There was a study in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health by a slew of researchers. It was actually completed in Italy. 58 teachers completed this mindfulness-oriented meditation training. They called this mom training. 
And this was actually just done this year. It was completed before and during the pandemic. And it was used to measure mindfulness skills, empathy, personality, profiles, introceptive awareness, psychological well-being, emotional distress, and burnout levels. And from these 58 teachers, they were separated into two groups. One was a high resistant, high resilience group, and the other was a low resilience group. And it was basically determined which group you were going to be in based on a baseline that was taken with a temperament and character inventory. And before COVID impacted the ability to meet in person, there was a two-hour group meeting per week and a 30-minute daily meditation practice at home. However, due to COVID, this had to be done in an online and isolated setting. So the data on the pre-post-mom test, excuse me, the data on the pre-post-mom change showed that both groups significantly improved in terms of mindfulness skills, effective empathy, harm avoidance, character traits, especially with there were greater improvements in that low resilience group in interoceptive awareness. Both groups significantly improved also in terms of psychological well-being, anxiety, depression, again, with greater improvement in that low resilience group, and the emotional exhaustion state of burnout. So something as simple as sitting back and mindfully meditating. I had to do an exercise recently with some other peers in a staff meeting where we were to close our eyes and have no sound quiet as possible so no music no tv on cell phone turned off or the ringer off and we had to sit for two minutes just in the silence y'all that was the longest two minutes of my life it felt like it took forever and because we are in this fast-paced world go 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 do 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 now 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 and especially teachers we don't stop we're up until midnight grading papers and then we're back up five hours later at it again it's so important to think about how just stopping not not even you know setting setting your priorities or writing things down or you know planning things just stopping just stopping for a second just to mindfully let your brain stop stop thinking about school home work families commitments priorities what's for dinner that night am i getting enough sleep am i getting enough water I should have exercised earlier. Just stopping your brain, it's so healthy. Just to let nothingness overcome you. And this study showed that. That by just being in this group meeting for two hours a week and then just 30 minutes daily, 30 minutes is all it took to show significant improvements in mindfulness empathy, character traits, awareness, 30 minutes a day was all it took with this group. Just to stop and be mindful about what we're experiencing. 
There was also another study that showed the importance of exercise and physical well-being and how it can affect the things that we experience with teacher burnout. This was done by a series of researchers. This was Elizabeth Parker, Patrick McArdle, Debbie Yoya, Ariel Trilling, Mary Barra Robertson, Nate Costa, Brian Berman, and Christopher Damondo. This was done in the Global Advances in Health and Medicine Journal. It was done the summer of 2015. They had 39 initial participants in this study. And through a public-private partnership, a 1,574 square foot wellness center equipped with treadmills, an arc exercise machine, bikes, a rowing machine, additional fitness facility equipment with locker rooms facilities. It was constructed on site at an urban public elementary middle school in the summer of 2015 prior to the start of the study. And they encouraged staff to go in there, use the facilities. There was no set time requirement there was no expectation for how many days you were going to use it or when you were going to use it, whom you were going to use it with, and how long you were going to be in there. They just encouraged these participants to go and use it, try it. And at the end of this study, they found a reduction in fatigue and increase in energy. There was an increase in awareness of healthy eating, an improvement in mood and sleep. There was a reduction in stress. There was weight loss. And teachers even said that their social life at work was positively impacted. I know for me personally, I'm a runner. And running and I have this love-hate relationship. I hate waking up early to go running. I hate having to get out of my warm bed into my cool environment around me to put on my running gear and my shoes. And I hate going outside when it's still dark out in the morning when I feel like I should still be in bed sleeping. But man, when I get done with that run, I am on fire. I am ready to take on the day. I am ready to teach. I am active. I am alert and I am invigorated. And I know on those days where I don't do that, my life is so much more stressful that day. I kind of have a set schedule for myself on the days that I run. And <clears throat> since reading this study, I've kind of been keeping track on the days that I run just my mood throughout the day and I've noticed I've got to start running on Mondays as much as you know as much as the average person hates a Monday Mondays are the worst for me they are the worst day of the week they're always my most stressful they're always the day where we end up either going out to dinner or ordering taken because the last thing I feel like doing is cooking they're the days where I am short fused with my daughter and my husband they're the days where I don't want people even breathing my air around me. And ironically, those are also the days I don't run. So I'm really interested in starting up my running on Mondays and seeing if that changes. Because I truly believe that if on the days that I do run, I have these great, energetic, exciting days, I wonder if one of those days could be Monday as well. I think another thing that we need to think about when we overcome teacher burnout and the stress and the anxiety, we got to properly address the issue. Just like we talked about before how teacher burnout is basically work-induced depression. 
if this is coming down to educators showing depressive symptoms, but we're saying, oh, just go sleep a little bit more. If you were diagnosed with depression and you were seeing a therapist for that, their only solution would not be, oh, just go sleep a little bit more. You'll feel fine. We have to, we have to get to the root of the problem. And is what you're experiencing a little bit of stress and maybe just some, just some reprioritization that needs to happen? Maybe you need a bit more rest, maybe a little bit more family time, a little bit less work time. Or is this come down to something where you're exhibiting depressive symptoms and where we need to actively address mental health issues in the workplace? I think there's a stigma that surrounds teaching, like I stated at the beginning, in that as teachers, we're expected to be stressed, we're expected to be overworked, we're expected to be tired at the end of the day. It all comes with the territory. It doesn't have to come with the territory. There's a stigma that, you know, oh, we signed up for this, it's to be expected. It's not to be expected, it doesn't make it okay. So we have to make sure we're properly addressing the issue. Whether it's very surface, low-level burnout, if a, or if this is much deeper and we're looking at depressive symptoms, things such as ineffective teaching, teacher self-harm, and, and, you know, we have to look at the issue itself and then take steps from there. COVID. COVID is something that has impacted every single teacher, whether you are virtual, hybrid, or in-person. It has impacted every single school, classroom, school system, country, educator, family. And COVID is playing a very large part in teacher burnout and what we're experiencing today. There was a study done in the International Journal of Contemporary Education um, done by Laura Sokol, Ebley Trudel, and Jeff Babb. There was a survey put out in Canada to 100 and, excuse me, 1,278 participants. Um, and this survey indicated high stress and exhaustion, but lacking the coping abilities. That's scary. That as teachers, we are extremely stressed and we are tired but we don't know how to cope with what we're dealing with. Things like time management, technology issues, parents, the balance of home life and teaching and the lack of resources were key demands when surveyed, resulting in higher levels of stress and teacher burnout. It's frightful to think that as educators, our stress levels and our exhaustion levels are through the roof but we don't know how to cope with it. And this is where things like that training can come back into play. This is things like peer support can come into play. Things like therapy and counseling can come into play. But again, because there's this stigma, because we're educators and, oh, you're going to be stressed and exhausted is what you do. It doesn't make it normal nor okay. 
It's been suggested that demands are decreased on teachers during this time. And instead we encourage interventions like peer support. Man, peer support is so difficult right now. We're used to bonding in classrooms, in the teacher lounge, in the hallways. We can't do that now. Interventions such as instruction on technology. The beginning of the year this year, I was shoved into so many Zoom meetings on things like Zoom, Nearpod, Google Classrooms, and all these other things I'm supposed to be integrating into my classroom, and it was done in about a day and a half. Talk about adding to my stress level. So proper instruction on technology, making sure we get enough sleep, and if necessary, counseling and therapy and being okay with the fact that that's a solution. There's nothing wrong with a teacher going to see a counselor or a therapist. Just because my colleague is experiencing it doesn't mean I need to be experiencing it as well. There was another study done. This one was through the International Journal of Education, Research and Innovation. This was Regina Alves, Teresa Lopez and Jose Persico. There's 1,479 Portuguese teachers, and they were surveyed on four different scales or systems. They were surveyed on the well-being and health perception scale, which they said their well-being is moderate during this time of COVID. They were surveyed on the satisfaction scale with the education system. And teachers with fewer years of service, less than 10 years, were more satisfied than teachers with more years of service. And that teachers who taught only in person showed a higher level of satisfaction. I'm going to have to completely agree with that. They were surveyed on the perception scale of well-being with the professional situation in times of the pandemic. It compared the way that they currently feel in relation to their professional situation in comparison with what they felt before the pandemic. And results from the portion of the study actually proposed that the COVID-19 pandemic decreased the perception of professional well-being and increased teaching difficulties. I also completely agree with that. They were also surveyed using a professional future perspective scale. And I basically just said, where do you think we're going to go from here? How do you view the future of education? Teachers with less service time were those who reported more positive future perspectives. Overall, the survey indicated that being female, having a service time of less than 20 years, increasing well-being, decreasing perceptions about teaching difficulties, and increasing positive future perspectives all contribute to the increase in positive perceptions of professional well-being. Another thing that's adding a great amount of stress and anxiety to teachers during COVID is not being with our students in a physical sense. We have to remember that children and young people who belong to vulnerable groups such as those who live in poverty, stressful family conditions, children who have special learning needs, who live in remote communities or lack access to basic materials, or have social and emotional needs are doubly disadvantaged by the pandemic. And who does that fall on? us as teachers. We're supposed to be there to take care of our babies, to provide for them, to give them what they need. We can't do that when we're virtual. 
So with the stress we're already experiencing in a time of a global pandemic, now we're experiencing the stress of our students as well. The current state of the world has substantially increased teacher workload with a recent study indicating that some teachers are working an extra 20 hours per week, according to a recent research article. And unfortunately, those who teach in low socioeconomic or disadvantaged schools face additional barriers because they have to perform those roles with less support and less resources. The lack of ability to collaborate in person and reduce professional opportunities for teachers also impacts commitment to the education field right now. And when there is failure to recognize these problems and not provide the needed support, it leaves teachers vulnerable, unable to cope with their professional and personal demands, severely impacting their mental and professional health. So what obstacles do we face as educators when we think about these factors of burnout? Honestly, I think it comes down to one thing, and that's the stigma of education. It comes down to an expectation, like I've stated previously. You're going to be tired. You teach a whole bunch of kids. You stayed up late grading. That's why you're sleepy. Oh, we all feel that way. Well, administration doesn't like us either. It's okay. And we, when we feel like the we're surrounded by people who feel the way we do, it's almost like it normalizes it. Makes it okay. Well, they're feeling that way. I feel that way. It's all right. They're burnt out. I'm all burnt out. We're all burnt out. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not all right. And whether it's a very tip of the iceberg level of burnout that maybe could be fixed with readjusting priorities, incorporating a little bit of exercise, getting a little bit more sleep. all the way down to those teachers that need the therapy and the counseling. There should not be a stigmatization surrounding teacher education that this just comes with the territory. It comes with the field of education. When we think about how physical, mental, and emotional health play a role in our teaching, it impacts everything. It impacts how we think, how we feel, how we feel physically, how we connect with our emotions. And the obstacles we must overcome is that stigma that Eh, it's okay. You're a teacher. You'll get through it. You got the summer coming up. You got you got two months to, to rest and recoup and recharge. You'll be okay. I think we truly have to look at what we need as educators and go after what we need. If we know that we need more rest, 
close that laptop an hour early at night. If we know that maybe adding an afternoon walk, getting some fresh air could clear our mind, close that lesson plan book, go take a walk. If we know that talking it out with a peer or a therapist is what's gonna do us the best good, seek that out. Don't be ashamed or afraid, maybe because your other colleagues don't go and see someone to talk it through with. Some ending thoughts that I had in regards to the research and digging and discovering that I did is we have to consider psychological, physiological, and environmental conditions. We have to remember that instead of allowing our fight or flight reaction to cause physical and emotional damage, we have to use the coping skills that are available to conquer the detrimental effects that can occur with teaching. We have to remember that burnout not only negatively impacts ourselves, but our classroom. It's important to remember that when there's teacher disengagement, students are not eager to learn. They're not gonna be challenged. They're not gonna be motivated to work. They're gonna experience a greater level of frustration and boredom in the classroom because you're not mentally there with them. We have to remember that there's this symbiotic relationship between students and teachers. As a matter of fact, in a survey of more than 11,000 K through 12 students ages 13 and up conducted after the stay-at-home orders went into effect, half of the students, 51%, said they felt more stressed and nearly four in 10, that's 39% reported, that they were feeling more lonely now and 38% expressed greater concern about their mental well-being since COVID-19 began. It's a lot to take on as a teacher. It's a heavy load. We're taking on more than just ourselves. For a classroom teacher, they're taking on 20-something other selves. As music teachers, we could be taking on hundreds of other selves. But we have to remember that self that comes first. We feed off of our students and they feed off of us. We can't help them until we help ourselves. We can't address what's going on properly until we address what's going on with us. We can't be there for them until we are here for ourselves. And whether the burnout is physical, whether the burnout is mental, whether the burnout is emotional, it's imperative as educators that remember that it's okay to feel these things but not to normalize it and put it on the back burner because everyone feels that way. So as a parting thought think about your mental, emotional, physical health at this moment in time right now. 
better yet, stop what you're doing, turn off your music, turn off the TV, turn off your ringer. Close the door, lights on or off, eyes open or closed. Take 30 seconds to stop and let your brain take a moment to be in the present. To not worry about what's due tomorrow. To not worry about what you have to get done tonight. But take 30 seconds to stop in the moment and focus on you. Starting now. longest 30 seconds of your life <laughs> possibly but how do we fix teacher burnout it's not a magic pill it's not a one fix for everyone it's not a cure-all it's an individualized basis finding what works for you and accepting the fact that it's okay to close the grade book it's okay to stop doing the lesson plans for a moment. It's okay to stop answering the million or what feels like million parent emails that we receive every day and focus on what makes you well emotionally, physically, mentally. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Have a great day. Push forward. You're doing awesome. <laughs>